0: the most underrated blessing of the kingdom of God that's celebrated by the people of God. Um, and and I, I just love the way the Lord um, has made available heaven to us. And and I, my, my heart is never, never, I, I, I can't get over that. I can't get over the reality that God has made a way for us to have access to him 24-7. A dope, dope principle. Just like on, just like um some of the some of the music uh, channels have on it shows that talk about access. They talk about access. They talk about, they, they'll, they'll have a show on there where they'll have a star that everybody likes and they're working on their new album. And in them working on their new album, they'll say, Yo, your you, you access is granted. So they'll open it up. Matter of fact, one of the shows is called Access Granted, another one's called All Access. And what they'll do on that show is they'll let you see the making of the of the video, the first music video or the second music video on that particular album, and then you'll see the world premiere of that video. And, and a lot of people get excited because, yo know, they, they gave me access to what I wouldn't normally get access to, how they shop, how they put on their makeup, how they prepare, um, how the people within the video prepare, how the cameramen get everything together, how the people behind the scenes get everything together. People love that show because... People love access to things. People love access to things that's not normally given act, given to other people. I like when I go to some of the shows with some of the brothers in here that they do. I get this little thing around me when when I get there, and they always get, it's an all access pass, and everybody else gets a ticket into the show. But you know, I get you know you got the little joint around your neck, and you know how y'all act when we got access. You know, you make sure somebody looking at you, you know, so they know the people that don't have access. You go like you, you be looking at you. You go on and walk on through and, and you get through and you make sure when the person that didn't let the other people through, you look back to make sure that the people that they can let through uh, get see you walking through the all access panel. And so today we're going to talk about the reality of, of all access, access granted. Jesus Christ is in the upper room spilling to his disciples, spilling to them the, uh, the last teachings that he's going to give to them. And one of the key teachings that he chooses, that he chooses to teach them is he, the key teaching is the fact that they have access. In light of his departure, in light of the fact that he's about to dip through the cross, he wants them to know that my dipping through the cross doesn't mean Access has been denied. It doesn't mean that access is over with, but this is opening up a brand spanking new type of access to me that's never been endowed on anyone before. And Christ chooses these eleven cats to spill that reality to. And so today, as we go through the upper room, when we're in John 14, I want us to I want us to really bear down on what it means to have access because we're going to we're going to talk a whole lot about access because I think it's one of I think we kind of blow past it and I think we kind of we, we kind of talk about it just a little bit. I think some people are unbiblically zealous in a way about their access. And so what we want to do is we want to find a medium. We want people to understand what does it look like not to be silly with your access and, and, and then not to just say, just never have any access at all, just like you never utilize the access that you have, but moderately theocentrically, Christ-centrically using the access that Christ grants. We're going to look at um, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to read them. ESV. Y'all with me? He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms or dwelling places or mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can you? How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, man, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say something like, show show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me uh, um, does his works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, i say to you, or oh, for real, for real, i say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you're going to take advantage of the reality that access has been granted, first thing you're going to have to think through in relation to this passage is assured access to, um, to, the past, to the eternal fellowship with God has been granted. Assured access to Christ's passionate eternal fellowship with us has already been granted. Right here in the verse it says, let your hearts not be troubled. Jesus, as a last ditch spill, he says, look. Fellas, let your hearts not be troubled. Now, what's going on here is Peter just got put on blast um, because he thought he wasn't going to go a certain place in his relationship with God. He said, I go all the way. Jesus said, for real, for real, though, in five minutes you're going to put me on blast. But then he encouraged them. But then right after this, he says, let your hearts not be troubled. Why is he telling them let their hearts not be troubled? Because this is the night that Jesus gets betrayed. Uh, over, over in verse in chapter 13, Judas has already dipped. Judas has already dipped, and he's gone to betray Jesus uh, for, for mad pieces of silver. And so Jesus, knowing that that betrayal is being enacted, is nighttime. Um, they're about to have an illegal meeting to, to put Jesus to death. And so Jesus right now is talking to his disciples in preparation for the trouble that they're gonna be in. Now, what's the trouble that they're gonna be in? Why does he say, Let your heart not be troubled? I'm gonna explain that. Heart, of course, is the seat of the emotions, um, the seat of the volition, the willingness to do something, and the seat of the place where you engraft or have implanted in you value systems and thoughts and patterns. Jesus says, don't let your, don't let your values get troubled because of what's about to happen. Don't let your passions and your emotions get, uh, get troubled because about what to happen. And matter of fact, don't let what is about to happen impact the way you live. Let your heart not be troubled. But then he says trouble. That's an interesting word. This word has already been used two or three times of Jesus. It's been used used in the New Testament, not just of a word of fear and trembling. This is a word of usually used of righteous anger. But here Jesus doesn't use it in, in in the sense of righteous anger. He's talking about not allowing themselves, once the things that are about to take place happen, not allowing it to curb them to the point where their hearts are troubled. What are the things that are about to happen? He's about to... He's about to be put on blast by people, and they're about to come in with mad torches, and they're about to come in and take Christ. And in our lives, in relation to access granted, Christ tells us the same thing. Let not your heart be troubled. See, many times when we go through something, we the first thing to go is your heart. See, when you when, when something comes up that you weren't expecting to happen in your life, the first thing to go is how you relate to God. And Jesus says, don't let the issues and the things that are about to happen shirk all this three years of pouring into you. He's saying, listen, I poured in you three years, not for you to throw out the window everything that I poured into you, but for you to utilize what's being what's been poured into you. Many of us, we love doctrine, we love theology, we love messages, but our hearts get troubled real easily. See, it doesn't matter how many books you read, how many verses you memorize, how many people you chop it up with. When the rubber meets the road and when all heck breaks loose and there's some questionable things that God allows to happen in your life, is your heart troubled? Now, it's not a sin for your heart to be troubled. It's it's just when you let the trouble overtake you. And so what God is saying to us today, He's, he's saying, look, fam, he says, listen, don't let what I'm about to happen get twisted what I've been spilling to you all this time. So we got to learn, listen, we got to learn as believers to handle trouble real well. Yeah, yeah. because if you don't learn how to handle trouble, if, listen, there is the Bible promises in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 21 through 23 that Jesus is, is a role model for what things are going to be like for people who trust him. Now, if that's, The model of Christ, Christ assures us, yo, it's going to be some crazy stuff that happened to you. So I'm going to warn you. There's going to be some stuff that happened because this whole thing in the kingdom is what we call a paradox. Two opposing sides bringing to pass one singular and unified principle. That's a paradox. He says, listen, don't let the part that doesn't work with your passions, don't let the part that doesn't work with your values, and don't let the part that wants to work with your plans and what you want to do stop you from following me let your heart not be troubled that's a principle that we need to grab a hold of that's a principle that we need to we need to begin to deeply embrace the bible says why are you surprised at the fiery trial that has come among you this is not a surprising thing but 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 this is a simple biblical principle that's been taught over and over and over again, but no matter how many times it's taught, our first initiative when trouble comes, our first initiative when trouble comes is to begin to doubt, is to begin to dep- get depressed, to begin to cuss, like your man Peter did. Your man Peter, Jesus told him, look, this is all peace. this is going to happen. Peter got him a sword. Now, Peter, a fisherman. Peter, a fisherman, he an entrepreneur. He gets a sword and he gonna check out on a dude, on a dude trying to cut his hair off and get a piece of his ear. And in the midst of that, Jesus had to put it back on. In other words, he's saying, let he said, listen, don't let I'm preparing you for something. Don't let when you get in it change the steeds of how I've called you to respond in it. That's real important stuff. And this is this is when you know you are a Christian for real, for real. It, see, it, it, don't, it don't count when the sky's blue. It don't count then. It's easy to love Jesus then. It's easy for the boat not to get rocked in. It's easy for you to love and for you to cry and worship and run around the church and, and, and love on one another. I'm going to invite some people over, man. I just feel good today. Man, let me order some food. But can you do it when the person that gets on your nerves... Matter of fact, and when you're going through something that you can't bear on your own, and you're willing to not let the present circumstance your Christian life, this is where the rubber meets the road. Don't punk out. Jesus is telling his disciples. He said, "Don't punk out, fam." He said, "When all of this comes, don't punk out." That's real important principles for Christians. Because, listen, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work in you. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally. But Jesus said, listen, I ain't even asking y'all to ask for wisdom. Just don't get troubled. And so he said, don't respond improperly to it. But then I know that Jesus has been telling them, look, I'm, I'm, I'm about to dip. And so I don't I don't want your heart, I don't want your heart to be troubled. And then he tells them this believe in God, believe also in me. <laughs> After he tells them not to let their heart be troubled, he says, If you believe in God, believe in me. That's access. But then he he qualifies. What about believing in him in relation to their believing in God that he wants them to actually believe? Check it out. He says, in my father's house, my father's crib are many rooms. Let's stop there. In my father's house is many rooms. There's been a lot of arguments about this passage, but it's a key. It's it's real simple, real key. In my father's house is not the temple. It's not the church. It's heaven. In my father's house, um, even though heavens can't contain him, it's still his house. In other words, where his unveiled, revealed presence is shown off all the time. It, where my father kicks it at, with with the with the people uh, it, in my father's house are many rooms. Now, this room, like Old King James um, translated that based on their understanding of what a mansion was. See, their understanding of mansion isn't the same understanding of my mansion, of, our, of our understanding of mansion. Mansion, the, the word here, is just means, it just means dwellings, places to kick it at. Jesus says, in my father's house is mad spots to chop it up with me at. It's a lot of places. It's a lot of places in my pop's heavenly crib. He says, and, and he said, but listen to what he says, though. He says, if, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Now, this is interesting. This is interesting. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, what's funny in this passage is Jesus. A lot of people take this passage and say, Jesus is in heaven building something for us. That's not what he's doing. He's preparing what's already built for us to enjoy it. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to build a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you where you got to understand background. He's playing with Jewish background here. Because when a dude who got betrothed, her pops agreed, her father, his father agreed, they did the betrothal agreement, and they said, yo, this is a marriage. Um, They didn't consummate. They entered what's called the betrothal period. Well, in Jewish law, the betrothal period was considered an actual marriage. But they, but they, they hadn't consummated so Brahman has to go back, listen, he has to go back to his pop's house. Like we didn't like, like nowadays when we get married, you know, we talk talking about we're going to get a house but we're going to go get put a down payment on an apartment. You know, they didn't do that back then. Everybody lived in a compound together. Everybody lived in, whether it was villages. And so what he go back is he he couldn't come back till he finished getting a place ready for his wife to be able to enjoy it. And so he goes off. For an undefined amount of time. And she has to get dressed in her wedding dress every day. She got to get her hair done. She got to put on her makeup. She got to get the procession ready. And they got to stand there waiting. Looking for him to come. He ain't come yet. I'm waiting for him to come. I'm trying to see what's going on with the preparing the place for me. <laughs> and main man, like, main man like, yo. Main man like, yo, I got to get the place prepared so that when I bring her, Here, this is a place where we can chill at. And after that time period is over, he would go get her. They would consummate. They would go and they would consummate, make the union even more official, and they would do their marriage. What Jesus is saying to us, that I have gone to prepare a place for you, but I'm going to leave you an an engagement ring. I'm going to leave you something to let you know Pastor Deuce is going to talk about that engagement ring, and his name is the Holy Spirit next week. And the Holy Spirit is a down payment on the prepared reality of spending eternity with God. Somebody ain't excited about that. I'm excited about it. But, I I mean, I don't know about just, you know, I mean, we just like, you know, stuff that just comes straight. But I I just like to hear about Christ getting something ready for me. But the issue is he's not getting it ready. He He didn't start getting it ready in his ascension. He got it ready when he went to the cross. Because you couldn't go to the place that is being prepared for you unless the cross made a way for you to get there. The Bible says flesh and blood can't enter the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, listen, I'm made up of flesh and bones. Question is, where was his blood? That's a whole nother story. Another sermon. But the issue is we have to be made brand spanking new again. So he's not just preparing the place for us. He's preparing us for the place. He's preparing us. He's Listen, that got to rock you.
1: That gotta, listen, that got to.
0: He's preparing us for the place and the place for us to be in, for us to kick it with him eternally. He said, let your hearts not be troubled. Listen, he used the fact that we're going to kick it with him in eternity as a reason to not be troubled. The question is, is when our hearts get troubled, <laughs> what are we thinking about? I know some of us in our minds have killed a lot of people. I mean, man, I mean, I was watching this cartoon, man, where this dude got fired. Man, my son was watching it the other night. And the dude, like, they said, You're fired. And the and we thought it was for real, the dude went over the table and started going after the people and doing all. And then he came back and he, he came back in the room. He said, Okay, and then he just left. We thought the joint was for real. Some of us in that same place, when our hearts get troubled, our minds just wander all over the place, thinking of wicked things to do to somebody, thinking, I mean, all just all over the place. Jesus says, listen, when your heart gets troubled, think about the fact that we're going to be together eternally. That's a real simple principle, but it's harder than a mug when your flesh is driving up. But it's, it, it's, it's, it's the staple of what makes us us. And we would get in less trouble if we, listen, listen people are talking about you so heavenly minded, you ain't earthly good. Well, that's not true heavenly mindedness. Because true heavenly mindedness has potent application right now. See, if somebody just wandering in the stars, marinating the Lord, looking off and ain't doing nothing, they, they not on mission with, they ain't, they ain't in the will of God. They ain't in the will of God. All they talk about is heaven. I mean, I can't wait. Man, I wonder what type of vest God gonna get me. Man, I wonder what my what my cousin look like now. You know, Wheezy and them and Ray Ray. I wonder how they are gonna look. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, being able to. We don't think about that much because we think thinking about heaven doesn't mean you do anything here. That's an improper view of it. Because he's utilizing heaven as a reason to not be troubled. That's important. That's important. And if and if if we would utilize. Not just heaven as a place, but a heaven as a place where we are in contact with a person. See, a lot of us like heaven, but not many of us like the person. Because Jesus tells him, he says, listen, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, that's a key word, that you may be also. He says, where I am, that's a play on words going back to the name Yahweh, which means I am that I am, points to the I am. He says, where I exist eternally unveiled in my incarnation, you will be also. Dang. That means you're going to see the seated Lord sitting down and his attributes flowing every which away. You know, that is bananas. And Jesus says, utilize that to keep yourself out of trouble. It's a real simple principle, but again, we got to apply that thing. But then he says, if I go to prepare a place to you, I will come again to take you to myself, not to heaven, to myself. <laughs> to myself. To myself. We got to stop sharing the gospel with people telling them, want to know how to get to heaven? You want to know how to get to heaven? No. Do you want a relationship with God? Through the means that he demands. Let's not talk about pearly gates, because they ain't in the scriptures. We ain't talking about streets paved with gold and Cadillacs and diamonds. That's not what we're talking about. We ain't talking about, I'm going to see Biggie, I'm telling you. I'm going to see Biggie and Pop. I'm going to sit beside him, I'm going to be chopping it up with him. We ain't talking about that. We're talking about the person who's preparing a place for us. Then he goes to the next point, which, which leads me to my next point. If we're going to walk in the reality of the fact that access has been granted, we've got to realize that we have been assured access to the Father. We have been assured access to the Father. Check out Jesus's joint. He says, And you know, and he says, you know the way, underline way, the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? In in essence, you know, Thomas always asked critical questions. And Jesus this time didn't heavily rebuke his disciples. And let me tell you why he didn't heavily rebuke his disciples. He didn't heavily rebuke his disciples in this section. Because he wants to have compassion on the fact that they're going to, until the Holy Spirit comes, they're going to go through separation anxiety. You can't imagine walking with Jesus for three years, having him answer any question you want if he decides to answer it, or he might just go around and get to the heart of why you was asking the question in the first place. And you get used to chilling with him, hanging with him, talking with him, needs getting met, power coming out of him, and then he just dips. And and is and, and, and concerned about that thing. He like, now, Jesus, now, that's been three years. Now, where are you going that you keep telling us we can't go? And, and and he said, he says, all right, this is what I need, Jesus. I need you to tell us where you're going and then tell us how to get there. We don't know the way. He says, we don't have, like, you got to give us a map. He said, give us a map. He says so that when you gone and you die, because like, we know you're going to die. You've been saying that. You're going to die. We want to know how to come get your body, or we want to come get you, so or we want to come be with you where you are. So just, you a prophet, you know, and all that, write down where they're going to be keeping you at. <laughs> and Tom is like, I mean, Jesus looks at him like, but you got to understand, you got to understand, though, no, this is a guy, this is not just some guy asking a stupid question. He wants to be with Jesus. See, sometimes we underestimate the questions of the disciples and just assume they got something for themselves in mind. But these are just cats; they just want to be with them, man, and they're not getting the whole cross and resurrection thing. They're not getting it, and so and so he's like, "I, I don't know what's going like." But all, all I'm saying is, Jesus. I just want to be with you, and we don't want to have any time. Like, our lives have been different since you come into our lives, and our lives are so different that if there's any space of time that's between the time that we've been spending and we're going to spend, we're going to be in agony, so give us directions. And Jesus responds. See, we, we, this this is the most taken out of context verse in the New Testament, and let me tell you why watch he says jesus said to him i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father except by me (laughs) this is the most taken out of context verse in the bible let me tell you why because we always first apply it to the wrong people we first apply it to unbelievers but jesus didn't say this to unbelievers and in response to unbelievers He said, I am the way, ah, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in response to believers who are hungering to spend time with him. He says, he says, he said, hold on, fam, I'm the way, I'm the road map. Many times we want to go and run up on an unbeliever and tell them, well, you know, Jesus is the only way. And we should do that. We should share the gospel the whole night. But the point of this passage isn't sharing this with unbelievers. It's to comfort unbelievers who are dealing with separation anxiety from their Savior in the midst of trouble. Jesus basically tells them, don't forget about who I am. He says, I am the way. Now, you got to understand that whole the way. The way can be translated road or or, or way or path. In the Old Testament, it's it's used in a multiplicity of ways. The main two ways that is used in the Old Testament is it's used to display a road that's not or way that's not God's way and another one that expresses uh, 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 God's way. And so what you'll see that a lot in Proverbs, you'll see it a lot in the Psalms, but more so in the Proverbs. And it always talks about there's a way that seems right to man. Um, uh, um, David even uses in Psalm 119, and you'll see the word way. I want to know your ways. And Jesus, Jesus pulls on that reality and says that the path is not a passive A passive, uh, esoteric place that you walk on. Because sometimes we can passively say that Jesus is the way, so I need to stay on the road. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the way or the road is a person. And he says, relating to me is remaining on point with the map of being in access to the Father. In the midst of trouble. We got to get that in our mind that Christ is the way. Now, the issue is, that it, this, the issue is this, is that Jesus, Jesus is letting them know if you let your heart become troubled, you're not going to be operating in the sphere of the way. If you let your heart be troubled and you just start, I don't know, I don't care, I'm just going to do my, and, and, and you're not operating in the sphere of the way. Because the way is not merely a role, but it's a relationship with a person that ushers you into into the presence of the Father over and over and over again. Access granted. Access granted. But not only that, in the the early part of the New Testament, you'll see see that that's what Christianity was called before unbelievers in Antioch started calling us Christians. We were actually called the way. That was like, our, I like that. I, I kinda like that, the way. Like, I ain't saying we gotta stop calling ourselves Christians, cause Peter calls us Christians in, in First Peter. He calls us that without any apologetic. But I just like the way. They say, y'all, hey, have we met any of the others from the way? I remember when I was with my fraternity, I, I, don't, I don't fool with it no more, but when I was with my fraternity in college, I could go to another city. I could go to any, you name the city. And if I know that somebody else is in that fraternity, I'll give him a sign. And when I give that cat the sign, that dude makes sure he asks me a couple of questions, makes sure I'm for real, for real about that thing. And once he makes sure I'm for real, for real, then he'll open up the floodgates, take me to eat, introduce me to the brothers, and uh, send me to, and do some stuff I ain't got no business but the way in the New Testament was so beautiful, it was just like that. When a Christian came around, they were like, Where's where the people that's in the way? Not in the way, but in the way. <laughs> There's a difference. And man, when they got around, it was a common bond. It was a common bond. Like, I don't I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't get along with all Christians. I don't. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I just don't get along with everybody. And let me explain to you why sometimes there's clashing. Because sometimes when the way is brought up, it's brought down. I don't like being around people when, when like, fellowship with Christ It's like like man I oh my god, I just man, anybody hungry, I mean I mean I'm ready to go the way. See, Jesus is calling them into fellowship. He ain't talking about just some theology about Christology. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about relationship. We, we believe in Christology. We love the hypostatic union. We love, the, we love all that stuff. We love the 100% God, 100% man. We love all that stuff. But at some point, you gotta have a, some fellowship with 100% God, 100% man. And if you ain't spending time with them, when you meet others, and if you ain't utilizing them, when you meet others that love the way and that comes out actually when they're around you, then you're going to be frustrated. Because you like the, the, the way of destruction. And it's hard to understand. So many of us as Christians love the way of destruction more than we love the way that leads to life. Christ says, I am the roadmap map through fellowship, not just looking at them, just looking at the Bible, through relationship, through relationship. Through enjoyment, you got to actually like him to get access to the Father. If you don't like Jesus, he ain't going to let you in. If you don't like Jesus, you're going to say, uh-oh, they can come in, but they got to repent of not liking us first. We all got to repent of areas of our life where we don't like Jesus being the way in. we we, we talking about access to God, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. But we got to begin repenting of hating God's ways. Somebody say, I don't hate God's ways. Well, you hate his ways if when it's brought up, you always bring it up something else. That's opposite of it. You don't like him in that area. So, therefore, we have to, we have to, it's a struggle. We all have to struggle through what it means to enjoy the way, but then he just doesn't say he's the way, he says he's the truth. He says, listen, the way is the subject of the passage. In other words, because he's answering the question of Thomas saying, how do we get there? He says, "He he says we don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way, but a matter of fact, while you're talking about the way, I am some two other things too. I'm the truth and I'm the life. Jesus says, I'm not just a good map, but I give good directions. The truth, the truth. Like trusting the fact. Like when you get on the way, it's gonna get real confusing. You ever been? Somebody ever gave you directions, and you start losing, stop losing faith in the directions because they didn't tell you how far it was to the exit. You the exit, man. Something wrong, man. I, something wrong. I got to turn around. Where's the overpass? Somebody like, have you seen the exit yet? No, I'm just saying, it's a long time. But if Jesus is the truth, then you got to trust that he gives good directions. Oh, man, that's good stuff. you got to trust that Jesus Christ, when he tells you to exit, you exit. When he tells you to stop, you stop. When he tells you to take a rest period, you take a rest period. When he tells you to get back on the highway, you get on the highway. When he tells you to go down a one-way street, you go down a one-way street. When he tells you to make a U-turn, you turn. When he tells you to stop, you stop. When he tells you to yield, you yield. He is the way and the truth. Oh, you got to understand it today that he's not just a map. He's information that leads somewhere. Somebody going to hear me in a minute. But he's not only the truth, he's the life. In other words, he, like... If something happened on the road, you ain't got to worry because you got life. You ain't got to worry. He's the way. He's the map. He's the right directions. He's the truth. But he's the one that makes sure that not just that something happens to you because he already said, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, something's going to happen to you. But the issue is that even in case something happens to you that causes you to physically die, I'm the life so you'll be with me forever. We gotta understand that, and we got. I was, while I was working on this. I was hurting, cause I, I was like, God, I want this to soak into me. I'm not all there yet. I need you to. I need all of this way, truth, for life stuff, to soak, rather than the way just being something I argue with somebody about. Like it trips me out. It, it, it trips me out. We, we're willing to argue this, but we gotta, we gotta fall in love with this. I'm telling you, I don't like nobody fronting on me, defending me out in public, and then in private, you cussing me out and not helping me out and not treating me right. Like, don't front like you like me in public. That's what Jesus is talking about. He said, like, you like me when it comes to arguing with somebody about me because you like to be right. So, really, you're the way. But he said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm here, dog. I'm here. Sis, and he's saying, listen, he says, he says, listen, he wants to listen. This this passage is all about access and relationship. And, and we got to get beyond just loving to pour information into ourselves and not getting in relationship with a person that leads us somewhere. That's the way, the truth, the life. But then he goes down and he says, he says in the next section, which which leaves me. <clears throat> to my next point, assured access to a real—he's he, assured access to a real relationship and encounter with God. Look at verse seven through eleven. He says, "If you had known me, you would have known my Father. Also, from now on, you do not know—you um, do know him and have seen him." Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. I mean, all this talk, show us the Father. And, and, and that'll be cool. I mean, we'll be, I mean, we'll be real chill you show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Jesus assures them that they have a relationship with the Father and they've encountered the Father. And Jesus says. Do you believe me when I say, this is deep, that I am in the father and the Father's in me? Not that we just make decisions together. He says, do you believe that the father and I share the sum total of what makes God, God? Do you believe that I am grace just like God is grace? Do you believe that I am wrath like God is wrath? Do you believe, do you believe that? This is interesting. Do you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And listen to how he lays it out, though. I'm going to explain this. He says, do you, uh, verse 10, he said, do you believe uh, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells presence in me does his works. This is key. This is key. Jesus is saying something really powerful here. Jesus is saying something really powerful here. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible says that God's invisible attributes can be seen through what he's created. So when you go outside and you see a tree blowing in the wind, tree saying to you, you don't see that wind, do you, dog? You see how I'm reacting to it? God exists. When you go, next time you go to the shore and you see the waves crashing up up against the water, the waves are talk, preaching a, a sermon to you. Well, matter of fact, this is funny. The Bible says that nature has been preaching before the fall. Nature has been proclaiming that God exists. So it was the first preacher. Now, what's funny is that when the waves crash up against the water, the waves are telling you something. It says, listen, study science, fam. I'm, you know, look up in the sky. There's a, there's a moon up there. Every time the moon does something different, I react to it. I go up and I go down. I go in and I go out. Just like I'm responding to something above me, there's someone I want you to respond to. Everything's preaching. But that doesn't lead to the father. That's only the first stage of revelation. The next stage of revelation is written in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. It says, in him... Dwells the Godhead bodily. The fullness of God and his invisible attributes are being seen through Christ. So if the nature can proclaim that God is grace, that God saves, that God loves, that he's life. Then how much more can Christ? But he's not just saying that God is proclaiming through creation he's saying God is inside of me with a microphone in his hand preaching the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 through 20 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus not just through Jesus That means that the father is inside the son preaching. And so whenever Jesus was doing a miracle, they were able to see the invisible attributes of God bodily in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all of this is going somewhere because he's about to commission him about this thing. But Jesus says this is important that you know you have access because I have clearly revealed the father to you through him preaching in my body. That's what the Bible says. And then he he goes down and he says, believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe on account of the works themselves. (laughs) Or believe on account of the works themselves. But then he goes down and he closes out the passage and I want to park here in the last part of our time. Last thing. Assured they are assured access to Christ's power. They are assured access to Christ's power says truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wow. Hold on. Check it out. Let's look at the context. There's going to be running all over the place. Look at the context. What works is Jesus talking about? Jesus, the work that Jesus is talking about is not just works that we want to just do because we always dream to be like Benny Hinn. Like most people, that's the first thing they think. All the, <sighs> That's not the word. Like Jesus ain't even doing it like that. He talked to people. Be healed. Like you want to do some old, some old, you know what I'm saying, some old... Jedi mind trick on somebody. He says, he says <laughs> Y'all crazy. He says, <laughs> He says, The works that I do, you will do too. What was Christ's work? What was his work in context of this verse? It was the Father living inside of him, proclaiming through his works his invisible attributes. Jesus says, Greater works than these shall you do. Now, most people say, oh, shucks. Give it to me, God. My hands are waiting. Oh, I'm waiting for that thing, God. But it ain't you by yourself. It's not you by yourself. It's you, a group of people. It's a group of people. Greater works for y'all. And I, I, I wish the Greek would have just translated it. Like, y'all, the works... He said, greater works will y'all do. Everybody, it's you plural. Y'all do. If I go to the Father. Greater works here is, is powerful. He's not saying in, in, in quality. Ain't nobody talking about Lazarus come forth and a cat come out wrapped up. You're talking to mummies and pharaohs and stuff and they come out. That's not going to happen. Somebody say, well, that ain't faith. Well, that ain't what Jesus is talking about in this text either. He's talking about quantity. Not quality. Quantity. This is very important. Jesus said, listen, everybody want to what is Jesus doing right now? Like, is he just up there eating snacks with the Father and, I mean, what, is, what are they doing? Like, you'd be surprised the questions people ask. What are they doing? Jesus says, because I go to the Father. See, y'all got to understand, when Jesus came from heaven to earth, it's powerful. When he came from heaven to earth, he didn't stop being God. He says, I will not use the power of my deity on my own. But when he ascends to heaven, God gives back to him his authority to utilize his deity like he wants to. So when he goes to the throne, he's saying, look, if I don't go to the father, I don't plug back in to who I am to power this whole thing that's called the community of faith. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not stopping my work. I'm just going to do it through y'all. Like some people say, well, I'm going to do greater works. No, it's Jesus in you doing the greater works through you, utilizing you as a format to do what he was. He said, listen, Jesus on his earthly ministry only went about 200-mile radius. He only traveled about 200 miles. Jesus says, I, I can't I can't like just say, okay, I'm going to just make nine of me, or 20 of me, a million of me. And just, he said, no, I'm going to ascend to the Father, and I'm going to send someone, and that power that I'm going to send to you is going to give you the ability to, to multiply my works. Well, what the work the, that's being multiplied is to be able to show off the invisible attributes of God through the gathered community of saints on the onslaught of the enemy. Greater works... Now, how does that look? Like, in Acts, first off, Jesus was preaching all his ministry, and, no, and, and he ended up with 120. Them 120 got up in the upper room and got to praying. Peter stepped out and preached. And 3,000, the church grew into a mega church in one day. They had to divide the 120 up to the disciple to 3,000. From there, folk just started coming. Coming, I mean, all. and then it says in verse 47, um, that that God was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. I mean, this folk getting saved, then the Gentiles end up getting stuff. Then they, then persecution breaks out and they go from Judea to Samaria, uh, to to the uttermost parts of the world. And I mean, and so they, they are moving out until now in that time, that was for them. But now in our time, we got technology. Listen, if you're good at technology, stop using it just to make a MySpace page. Come on somebody. Greater works, the greater, I'm not saying you can't enjoy stuff, but God has given us technology, he's given us creativity, some of us are holding on, I don't want nobody to know I do that, don't tell them, that's the devil. Greater works, greater works than these, you can't hold on to the greater work because it ain't yours in the first place. So when we use our technology, we got, we got, uh, we got two-way pages. We got, I mean, we got all types of stuff. We got traveling. We can catch planes. Dudes can get on the internet preaching millions of people. I mean, Jesus said, greater works than these will you do if I go to the Father. So you gotta, you gotta begin, listen, after application, you gotta begin to stop using the greater works for your own good. Because the only time many of us get excited about being used by God when it mainly benefits us. But not when the blessing may not come back to us. We got to know how to be able to sow something and want it to be reaped in a way that doesn't necessarily come back to us. Can, can Can you sow something? Listen, listen, can you sow something? I ain't about to get out, you know, be about to do an offering. I'm just saying, if you sow something, somebody got scared, they said, oh, here we go. Oh, listen, then he comes. We are going to do that, but the main point of this is is that we got to be willing to sow, and the joy of seeing the invisible attributes of God is the reaping. And somebody's noticing it, and somebody noticing God, through that creativity, through our YouTube thing, that YouTube thing we did, Kalani put up on the internet, over 1,500 people have looked at it over a three-day period. Greater works. greater it's, it's not for us, y'all. All of this ain't for us. God is, is, is lacing our community. He's laced us to be a blessing, to be a multiplicity, though. Not just you off by yourself and nobody knows about it. We rebuke that. <laughs> you don't know what I'm doing. I ain't got to do everything in the church. We ain't talking about in the building. We, but we are talking about in community because he talks to a group of people, not an individual. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's too convicting. Let's move on. Greater works than these because I'm going to the fire. He says, whatever you... Oh, this is another one. Whatever you ask... In my name, this I will do. Now, I'ma stop there for a second. Now most times, like, that's, I mean, this is, this is abused. 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 He said, whatever, I don't, whatever, I whatever I, I ask, that was the test. He In my name, he'll do it. I I don't want to hear the rest of that verse. Don't tell me the rest of it. Listen to what he says. That the Father may be glorified. So listen, listen, we got to work on our prayer life now. Because some of us only pray for us. Some of us only pray... Just pray, just just bouncing the wall prayer. But Jesus calls his disciples in his absence. Remember, he's using, utilizing all of this to show them that he, they have access and to give them comfort in his departure. That's all that the context is. And he's saying, in my absence, you're going to do greater works, but in my absence, I'm going to answer your prayers. And he says, but these are the prayers that I'm going to answer. The ones that bring glory to God. Now, you got you to gotta ask yourself, do I even know what glorifies God? Some of us, our next prayer just needs to be, Lord, how, how you glorify? I don't even know. And that's okay. He loves that because that's how he's getting glory. For you, admitting you don't know how to glorify him, and he's chasing. He, he can sniff out his glory. Oh, that's my glory. As Moses. God was coming after the children of Israel, and he said, oh, oh God, I, I mean, Lord. I know that they tripping, they tripping. But like you just brought us up out of the empire that everybody knows about. Now Lord, if you bring us out here and you kill us. What they going to say about you? <laughs> I mean, and don't get it don't get it twisted garland like that. Dag Like, he ain't like dag, like some open theism type stuff. But God does respond to his glory. God cannot, listen, one of my mentors told me this. He said, God cannot refuse his glory and his arm can't be twisted. You can't, listen, if God is going to be glorified, he will, I mean, listen, he will do everything within his power. But the issue is, can you handle what glorifies God and be satisfied with it? Listen, because many times we want to pray God's glory with our results. Ah, that's a struggle. <laughs> that's a struggle. That is a struggle. Like God, I'll glorify just as long as you being glorified looks like this. I struggle with I, I struggle with that. I ain't gonna front. But it's a fight, and, God, and but God will still glorify himself through the way, and then once he does it, we'll notice that that's the way he wanted to be glorified in the first place. But it takes it takes understanding the way, understanding his truth, and understanding his life to be able to enjoy the glory that God gets that you might not like. Jesus says, I mean, the, um, John, 1 John, he says, verse John, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14, he says, Jesus told us, he says, if we ask anything in his name that is according to his will, that means many of us, listen, we need to we need to start praying the scriptures. We did that. We did that Thursday. I mean, Wednesday at the men's time. We just prayed Psalm 119, just several passages. Just prayed it. If you don't know how to pray glory, glory, God, if you don't want to make a mistake, just don't pray, just pray God's word and don't elaborate on it. Like, oh, um, yeah, God, like you were saying When you, nah, pray his word. Just start there. That's a good place to start. And then God will begin moving in places in your life that you were waiting for him to move in. But it wasn't because you twisted his arm. It's because that's the way he wants to get glory. I I mean, I'm telling you, I guarantee it. And this is a very important principle for us to understand and for us to chase chase after. So today, all I want you to take away is this. Take advantage of the access that God has given you. Take advantage of it. That's it. That's all. us all. Jesus. That's, that's all. Jesus was telling his disciples, "In my absence or in my ascension, take advantage of access. Take advantage of access." I, I, I hate, you know, when I left seminary and I had access to Daryl Bach and Horner and uh, Pentecost and Hendrix, and I didn't meet with one of them once. And I'm still mad because I didn't take advantage of that access. Take advantage of your access. God, God, God has opened up heaven's doors for you to walk in, no matter where you're sitting on planet Earth. You're going to be there eternally and all that. But while you're here on Earth, take advantage. Take advantage of the access that God has given to us through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for the power of doing things your way, God. Lord God, we want to we love you. We want to be in relationship with you. And we don't just want... What you have to give, we want you. And that's the starting place of God's glory mattering. Lord, I want to pray, God, with one of this, our Celtic brethren prayed, Lord God. They prayed, come this day to the Father. Come I this day to the Son. Come I to the Holy Spirit, powerful. Come I this day with God. Come I this day with Christ. Come I this day with the spirit and kindly balm. God and spirit and Jesus, from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, come I with my reputation. Come I with my testimony. Come I to you, Jesus. Jesus, shelter me. (laughs) Blessed are those whose way is blameless. I will will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me in Jesus' name. Amen.